you or someone you love have scoliosis? Are you wondering what's next? What is life going to be like from now on? Or is this even a big deal? Hi, my name is Dave Butler, and welcome to the Scoliosis Experience. We are here to talk with real people, both patients, parents, and providers, to bring hope and clarity to the road ahead. Thanks for joining us, and let's get started. In this episode, I talked to Izzy, who is an amazing scoliosis patient of mine. I've known Izzy for a while now, and she has a, a really interesting story. Most of my patients at Align Therapy are idiopathic scoliosis, where we don't really know the cause. We kind of suspect that it's genetic or something like that. Izzy has a different cause. She has a neurological cause for her scoliosis, which makes her unique, but she the other thing that makes this podcast episode unique is that she will be having surgery within the next month. So I don't know that I've had a podcast episode with someone who's about to have surgery, so that gives her an interesting perspective on scoliosis and scoliosis surgery. So she's looking at having VBT surgery, and she's had some struggles lately with getting insurance to cover this. Her parents have had struggles with that and uh, it's been delaying her surgery and as you know with VBT, VBT surgery is time sensitive. It has to be done while the child is growing so uh, that makes it kind of stressful for their family. Uh, this would be a great episode for anyone who is about to have surgery or anyone who's been braced or currently braced. Uh, Izzy was braced for a long time and she gives some good advice on how to how to do that well and how to be consistent with it. Her mom Julie gives us some good advice on how to be consistent with doing the things at home that need to be done and this is a great episode just to hear Izzy's story. She's an amazing girl and I'm really honored to have been able to know her for a while and, and work with her on her scoliosis. So here's Izzy. Well, welcome to today's episode. I'm sitting here with Izzy, who is one of my amazing scoliosis patients. I've known Izzy for, actually, I didn't look this up, five? Five years. Four or five four years? Four or five so, years. Yeah. So first time I saw you, Izzy, you were a little smaller than you are now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so introduce yourself a little bit, kind of let the whoever's listening know who you are. Um, I'm Isabel Perea, and I'm 13, and I was diagnosed with scoliosis when I was 8, and a Chiari when I was 8. Okay, so two different diagnoses, and we'll talk, we'll talk more about that. Um, well, let's talk more about that right now. So what was kind of your first memory or experience with scoliosis? Kind of get, run us through the process where you were diagnosed with that, and yeah, go. Um, I remember when I was eight and my elbow started hurting and I told my mom and she just told me that I, she usually she tells me that I was growing, but this time she was like, she actually took me to the doctor and then my, it was starting to hurt really bad and he just took an x-ray and he saw my spine in the x-ray and he was like, uh, that's not good. <laughs> and so then he brought me back to my pediatrician and then sent me to the orthopedic surgeon. And then he, I can't really remember like how I got diagnosed with Chiari. 
what happened was, I'll kind of pick up here. Oh, this, he, is, this is Julie, Izzy's mom. I forgot to introduce you, Julie. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> so he noticed when he had her bend over and touch her toes that her right side had kind of a large lump to it. And so we could tell that she had scoliosis, but then he, uh, Dr. Smith did this thing where he runs his pinky down her stomach and he went on the left side and it twitched. And when he ran his pinky down the right side of her stomach, it didn't move like it's supposed to. And so he kind of did a few more tests and realized that she had a Chiari malformation that was causing the scoliosis. So at the time, you didn't know what a Chiari malformation was, right? Nope. Can you explain it to those who don't know what a Chiari malformation is? <laughs> or your mom can explain it. So what Dr. Smith told us was basically her brain stem was kind of being pressed down into her spinal column and was causing compression uh, with the spinal fluid, which was creating a syrinx. Mm-hmm. And with that pressure, it was causing her spine to curve, which typically doesn't happen with the everyday person. You don't have that curvature because we don't have that uh, that compression in our spine. And so what he said was we, we were in to see him on Friday, and he said on Monday of that next week, she was going to have the Chiari malformation decompression surgery. And I remember just asking him if there were any other options that we could do. Um, And he said no, that we had to have the surgery. And that typically the surgery, once they decompress the spine, um, that the scoliosis would sometimes start to correct itself. And so we went in on that Monday and she had the Chiari decompression. And So if we back up a little bit, Friday was the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Monday was... Brain surgery. Yes. That that's fast. Yes. That is he tell us about that. How did how did that go? Were you just kinda like, what is going on or what? Yeah, I was sitting in the doctor and I was like, I have no idea what they're saying. And then when we finished the appointment, um, mom explained it to me and I was like, Oh wow, this is really serious. And then we I didn't have to worry about school because it was during the summer, thank goodness. And mm-hmm. then on Monday we got ready for surgery, and then we went to primary children's, and it all happened really, really fast. Really fast. So you came out of surgery, and, yeah. well, you probably don't remember coming out of surgery, but no. <laughs> uh, t- tell us how recovery was. Dr. Smith, it sounds like, had said it's possible that the scoliosis would go down after the, uh, after the decompression. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us how recovery went and how all that follow-up was. Um, my recovery did not go pretty well. I was in the hospital for like three days after my surgery. Four days. Four days. Mm -hmm. And just like the typical watching TV and recovering. But then we went home and I started having these really, really bad headaches. And we had, we went back to the hospital and he said I had chemical meningitis. Mm -hmm. Yes. So we... Ended up taking her to the ER, gosh, every week she would end up back in the ER. She would get really bad headaches, just like migraine, 100% right away, and she'd be throwing up. And so we'd take her to the hospital, and they couldn't figure out what was going on for a couple of months. They put us on, they put her on a steroid, and she did that for a couple of months, and then finally they decided to do the spinal tap. 
and her spinal fluid came out copper colored. And so they realized that there was a small hole in the lining of the brain that they had opened up to do the surgery. And then when they sealed it, a small hole had formed. Hmm. And so it was pouring uh, brain fluid into her spinal fluid that was causing like a chemical meningitis. And so what they said was we have to see if the hole in the lining will seal itself. And if it doesn't, they would have to go in and do the decompression again. Um, Just not as severe as the first time. And lucky for us, the day that they were supposed to do it, all her symptoms went away. And it appears that the hole in the brain lining sealed itself. It was a long few months, it sounds like. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, those headaches don't sound like your typical just a little headache. Nope. It was like your head wanted to explode. That's exactly right. Yeah, kind of crazy. So, headaches went down. Uh, I forget, was that around the time when I first started seeing her, or was that later? Yeah, we started seeing you probably that fall, right after that summer. So, probably about six months after the surgery. Yeah, so she had had the surgery... Uh, <clears throat> decompressed and the scoliosis was I forgot if it changed after surgery can you tell us about that um, he did not see a significant decrease in the curve and she was probably around like 36 degrees mm-hmm. 35 degrees um, at the time of surgery and when we went back for the six month follow up it was still holding about 35 degrees so it hadn't increased, which is good, but mm-hmm. it also hadn't decreased with surgery. So um, so then I got to know you, Izzy. We, we worked with you on a few different things. Yeah. T- tell us kind of how that went. What, what, were your, what was your experience with being treated for scoliosis conservatively at, at my clinic? Um, Dr. Smith sent me, we went for a six-month not right after my surgery, but like a year after. And he was like, so your scoliosis has gotten a little bit worse. So we're going to send you to physical therapy to see what we can do. And then he sent me to you. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You got it. How, how did those sessions go? I mean, I know how they went because I was there, but I'm going to tell people what your experience was with those. I definitely didn't realize how weak my back was Hmm. when I first went and I was doing my exercises. I was getting so tired and my muscles were very, very worked and like they've never been worked before. (laughs) Like they've never (laughs) been worked before. I love that. So, so we worked on strength. We worked on correction of the curve as best we could using the Schroth method. Um, I mean, you're... I forget how long went by before bracing became part of the picture. I think when I was like 10, it happened. You were 10? Yeah, I think they started talking about bracing about 10. And then when she turned around 11 is when he said, okay, it's time. Because at that point, we weren't seeing any decrease in the curve. And it actually was kind of um, getting a little bit worse she was probably at about 37 38 degrees at the time he decided to start bracing right so it's getting worse uh you got this awesome brace that you love so much totally. <laughs> uh, tell us about bracing i have a lot of patients and a lot of people who listen to this podcast that may be braced or looking at being braced 
Um, tell us how that experience was. Um, when I first got fitted for a brace, it was really cool though, cause he would like put tape around your like core and then he would like scan you and it was really cool. And then when I got the brace and I first put it on and you start at like an hour and then you gradually get up to 16 hours. And I remember getting to like four hours and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to last 16 hours in this. (laughs) And I was laying on the couch and I was dying. But as you get used to it, it's not too bad, but I feel like some days it's way worse than others. And it just feels weird because it's in a position your back's never been in, which it should be in, but it's not. And so it feels really uncomfortable. And the first couple nights, it's hard to sleep in. Right. So could we say that bracing kind of sucks? Yeah, for sure. We want this to be real here. um, Yeah, bracing kind of sucks, right? It's uncomfortable. Sleeping's uncomfortable. You have to get used to it. That first visit sounds like it was kind of cool. You're excited. You're like, ooh, this is, look what he's doing, you know, and then you get into wearing it and all of a sudden it's like oh the cool factor kind of wore off yeah you're excited about like picking your design and then you get it and you're like oh this is really this kind of sucks <laughs> so did how long were you braced was it about two years yeah we were just about at two years that she was wearing the brace and when we would do the embrace x-rays and even the out of brace x-rays she had her curve had corrected in the brace about down to a 17 degree and out of the brace she was right around about 22 to 25 degrees yeah so it was doing pretty well Uh uh-huh uh so then then what happened go ahead oh then my brace stopped like fitting and he was so busy that he couldn't get us in so like six months went around but then and then Oh, yeah, we moved, so we couldn't go in to see him. And um, they were like, your back shouldn't have gone this worse in the past, like, six months to a year. And so then I stopped wearing the brace, and they did x-rays, and then we went to our appointment, and they were like, you're going to need surgery. So she had stopped wearing the brace for about a month because she outgrew it, and we had moved and we were trying to get into the new the clinic down in Arizona and couldn't get an appointment when we needed it. And so we ended up deciding to move back and scheduled her appointment with Dr. Smith this last December. And her curve in a month went from the 22 to 25 degree back up to 38 degrees in just a month. It's a pretty significant change in just that short of time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. your curve just wanted to be at that degree, I guess. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, sometimes, so, well, we, we call scoliosis different things based on what's causing it. Idiopathic scoliosis, we don't know what's causing it. Yours is not idiopathic because it's a neurological uh, condition that was causing the scoliosis. So it's interesting. They kind of behave differently sometimes. And... Just that little brace holiday for a month. You oh, know, that and, was awesome. And, and that was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. So they said you needed surgery. What degree did it go to? Do you remember? 48, was it? And now we're at 53. And then we're at 50 now. Oh, yeah. So it went to 48. You're at 50 now. Um, 
How long ago did they say you needed surgery? Eight months ago? Yeah, March of 2020, of this year. March of 2020. Of 2021. Or 2021. Yeah. So, earlier this year, they said, okay, you need surgery. And what kind of surgery? VBT surgery. So, vertebral body tethering, um, which we actually have a podcast episode about from Dr. Smith, that if anyone's wondering about VBT surgery, they can... They can go and listen to that, but it's not a fusion. It allows for flexibility and it helps correct the curve as you grow. A little Cliff Notes version of what that is. Um, so why didn't they do it eight months ago? Because our, insur deni our insurance denied it multiple times. Right. And that's the struggle we've been having for the last eight months, right? Yes. So in insurance has been denying uh, that they'll cover that and... The battle has been going on for the last eight months. Yes, which it is, has. Which is crazy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, tell, tell us how that's been. Has that been discouraging? Has it been... It, yeah, tell us how that's been. It's been really frustrating because my back's been hurting, obviously, because it's moving and shifting. And you just want to have it because it's already been eight months. And I've been ready for a long time. Yeah, and I remember at first, uh, you you struggled with it. You struggled with, um, you know, the the well, not the diagnosis. You are diagnosed, but when Doctor Smith talked to you about surgery, you really struggled with that. And then we got to a certain point where you were ready for surgery. Yeah. And then we couldn't do surgery, <laughs> and then we got it approved for surgery. And then what happened, Julie? So they said it was approved and then came back and said, oh, just kidding. That was a different patient. That was not you. And the insurance has refused to do a peer-to-peer -peer review with Dr. Smith for the last couple of months until yesterday when we got an email that said they will now agree to do a peer-to-peer -peer review and hopefully be convinced that this is not an experimental surgery. This is a surgery that has shown to be successful. And um, if Dr. Smith can just convince them of that, we can go forward hopefully in the next couple of weeks. So yeah, one way or another, you're planning on in the next couple of weeks doing yes. this surgery. So maybe they heard we were doing the podcast and they're like, oh, we better do a peer-to-peer. -peer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Probably not. That's probably not what happened. But uh, that, that's got to be frustrating. I mean, you gear up for it, and then they say no, and gear up for it, and they say no. So, um, And meanwhile, we have a window of time where you're growing, and that's when VBT will be helping. So, yeah, this is one of those that's a little more time-sensitive. Sometimes with my patients who have surgery, it's not time-sensitive. They can do fusion, you know, when they choose. But it, with you, Izzy... This is time sensitive. Yes. So uh, so going into surgery, I don't think I've done a, a podcast episode of someone that's, you know, right before having surgery. What are your thoughts? What are your fears? What are what are your concerns with, with surgery? Um, when I had my last surgery, he was like, there had some risks. And then we never really went over them because he thought that it was impossible and like could never happen. But obviously it happened and it was pretty scary so now I'm wondering, like, what if there's stuff he's not telling me again? 
And so I feel like I always get a little nervous before having surgery because of my Chiari surgery. So I, but I've had six, eight months to prepare. So I think I'm pretty ready. Yeah, mentally you're probably in a better place than if you had done it two weeks after he said you needed surgery. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> but yeah, this isn't your first major surgery. And, and uh, yeah, I, I bet it is concerning because you did have a, f- a few months after the last one that you struggled. Mm-hmm. So Julie, what are your, what are your thoughts, you know, going into surgery? Tell us about that. Um, I feel like having this be her second major surgery, I'm a little more mentally prepared for the, you know, things that can happen afterwards. Um, I'm not quite as nervous this time only because I know Dr. Smith knows what he's doing. He's very successful at, um, doing the VBT surgery. I think by now she'll be his ninth patient, 10th patient maybe. Um, and so I also feel like I know that I can ask more questions and I don't think people realize that the, the first time it was so quick and so fast, we didn't have that time to really ask the questions we needed. And now I'm realizing that there's always time and don't be afraid to ask questions and ask lots of questions and ask what, you know, side effects could come from recovery and different things. And to listen to your child when they're not feeling well, that it's okay to go to the hospital 50 times if you have to. Um, because you want to make them feel comfortable and know that everything is okay that way. So yeah, I'm, I'm nervous, but excited for it to happen because we are running out of time and I want it to get done. Right. The urgency (laughs) is there and it's, it's time to do it. Yeah. So yeah. And I think great advice, ask questions, you know, get, get clarification on things. Mm -hmm. Cause I, I totally agree with you. I get, um, I get the feeling that a lot of times it's kind of rushed through that pre-op appointment and mm-hmm. and things like that. And you just kind of go into it without getting your questions answered. So whether that's asking questions to the surgeon, whether that's asking questions to a PT that knows about scoliosis, whether that's asking questions of other people who have gone through it, I think all those things are helpful. Yeah. Um, Izzy, do you know many people with scoliosis? Um, my sister's coworker has scoliosis and she just got a fusion and she's doing really good. Have you talked to her about surgery and that? Yeah, yeah. I talked to her before and she was really nervous because it went right really fast. And then, but now she's doing pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then That's my good. friend that saw you, mm-hmm. um, she just had rods and mm-hmm. pretty, she's doing good. So you know a couple of people that have had or are having scoliosis surgery. So I think that's helpful. Do you feel like that's been helpful to know people that are going through what you're going to be going through? Yeah, I like relating to people and like, I don't know, just talking to them if I have any concerns. Because sometimes you have a doctor that probably hasn't had the same surgery that you had. So he doesn't really know exactly what pain you're going to feel. But when you have somebody that's gone through that, you know what pain they're going to feel. And exactly, it's just really relieving. <laughs> yeah, it, it helps to, to ease your mind a bit. Um, and one, one thing, Izzy is one of our top subscribers to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, was that helpful to hear other people's experience? With yeah, it, yeah, I liked... Knowing that I'm not, like, the only one that's going through this, there's many other people that are. And it's relieving to know that 
I'm not all alone. Yeah. Yeah, your, your situation is a little bit unique with the Chiari and what you've already <laughs> gone through. But, uh, yeah, I mean, scoliosis is something that many people have gone through, and, and you can find support with them. So what, what would you say your biggest struggle with scoliosis has been? We've talked about, you know, surgeries. We've talked about bracing. We've talked about all that stuff. What's, what's the biggest struggle you feel like you've had with scoliosis? I think probably the pain. Like when I'm sitting in class and I have to go for a walk because my back's hurting from sitting too long or having not being able to sit on the floor when we're doing like activities, I have to sit in a chair because my back can't sit on the floor and just having to get special treatment sometimes has been difficult. Yeah, kind of the hardest thing. And we've been fighting back pain for a couple of years. Yes. And, uh, and part of that I think is because the scoliosis has been progressive, but uh, you know, part of it is just the the posture that it puts you in, you know, it just can't tolerate those. Yeah. So that's definitely a struggle. Um, Julie, same question for you. What has been the biggest struggle with, uh, other than insurance <laughs> in the last eight months? Yeah. I know that's probably on the top of the list. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, what's been the biggest struggle with the diagnosis of scoliosis? I, a lot of it for me is the uncertainty. Um, having these surgeries and expecting things to go one way and having it go the other. I think I kind of went into it thinking after the decompression that the scoliosis would kind of correct itself on its own. Not perfectly, but maybe either hold at the degree she was at or, or get a little bit better. And so when that did not happen, just facing those next steps, you know, going into physical therapy and having her, um, you know, have these different exercises that she needs to do and, um, learning a different way to sit and stand and um, she's kind of brought that into our family and helped all of us <laughs> sit better and have better posture um, so yeah the uncertainty of it and then just watching your child go through things and having pain because um, we can't feel what she's feeling and so sometimes you do have a tendency to not be as sympathetic because you kind of think well you know just sit up or stretch or do these different things and I've realized that, you know, her spine is moving, her hips are moving. And so it's pains and different things that we've never experienced. And so just having that sympathy and giving her that little bit of extra care um, to make her feel better, I think has just been a big change for all of us. Yeah. And I think that's definitely something to be aware of as a parent is, you know, your, your child's going through something that, well, some parents have gone through it, mm -hmm. but the majority that I've seen the parents haven't gone through it. And me, even as a, a PT that treats scoliosis all day long, I haven't ever gone through it. And so right. I think that's good advice to recognize that they're going through something that we haven't. Mm -hmm. um, okay, Any what advice would you give, Izzy, to others in a similar situation? Obviously, your situation's a little bit unique. There probably aren't a ton of kids in that same situation. <laughs> but... If you think about like this this podcast, what what's the takeaway that you want people to go away with from this podcast episode? Um, if you ever have questions, just ask them because you don't want to like go into something without not knowing. And always try to stay positive because it'll be over. It won't feel like it'll be ever soon, but it probably will be. 
and yeah. Yeah, that's great. Stay positive and ask questions. I think those are two very good things uh, that people can can do when they have the diagnosis of scoliosis. So, uh, Julie, for parents, mm-hmm. what advice would you give to them? What uh, what's kind of the takeaway for you from this experience? Um, for me, I think physical therapy has been a huge eye opener for me because you don't realize how, like Izzy said in the beginning, how weak her core was and her muscles. And so as she does her exercises, she does her corrections. Um, I think in the beginning I thought, well, we'll come a couple of times and she'll learn a few things and maybe they will help. And as we've gone through the years and have come more often, um, and even her coming to me and saying, hey, I need to go see Dave. I need to have an appointment. Um, Take them, you know, take them to those appointments because the exercises she's doing and the things that you have done with her and the different um, techniques that you've taught her have made a huge difference. Her breathing's better, her posture's better, her um, strength is much better. And I think all of that has decreased her pain, even though her curve has gotten a lot worse than it was in the beginning. I think she's able to handle the pain more so because she's stronger in her core. So that for me is huge, you know. Do do the physical therapy, do what you need to do. If you need to do the bracing, do the bracing. I mean, it's not fun. As a parent, you know, you find yourself for all that time yelling at your child, put your brace on, put your brace on. And even though the physical therapist or the bracing doctors know they're not wearing it because there's a sensor inside of it, mm-hmm. you still, you know, find yourself just, you know, harping on them to, to wear it. But do all of those things that you need to as bad as they are and as, as not fun as they are. Um, they pay off in the end, even if in the end it didn't work. Um, there are good takeaways from it. So, and at least, you know, you did what you could. Yes, we did everything we could a hundred percent. And that's the same attitude we're taking moving forward. You know, the insurance Mm -hmm. doesn't cover this VBT. Well, that's the next step we'll take. And it just gives you that strength to keep going. So, so if we go on, I guess it's not a tangent. This is very relevant, but how do you stay motivated to wear a brace or to do your exercises? Hmm. It's a tough one. It's one that every scoliosis patient struggles with. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm trying to figure out how, how, <laughs> how to, to crack that nut. But to, tell me, I mean, Julianne, Izzy, what... What has been helpful to stay motivated? Because it's a long process. Like you mm-hmm. said, it's not just one or two visits and then you're on your way. Yeah. I mean, I've known you for years. And as much as you probably don't want to know me for years, <laughs> you know, we, we've gotten to know each other well. But what's what's been motivating? Um, probably that your doctors are knowing. Like, they know that you aren't wearing your brace. <laughs> or they know that you're not doing your exercises. And then they kind of scare you, I guess, to see, like, this could happen to you. So you, like, want to do your exercises because you could see what could happen to you. And so you kind of just have to follow the rules for a certain amount of time. And then when it's over, you can go back to normal. So kind of 
knowing what could happen if you don't is kind of a motivator for you. Yeah. Okay. Julie, what about for you? What what do you what have you found helpful as a parent to stay motivated yourself and stay motivated keep your your child motivated um, with this? Um, I think it's kind of on the same lines, along the same lines. Um, with the bracing, you know that if you're putting in all this time and effort and financial side of it um, into it, that you're kind of doing something for nothing. So when we would talk to her about different things when she was doing her bracing and letting her know, you know, look at it as a time frame. Don't look at the huge picture. Look at time frames. So every six months she sees the bracing doctors and Dr. Smith. So just look at it for that six month period and let's see what progress you've made. And so after those six months and we go to those appointments and she has those x-rays, the benefits are shown. And so I think if you kind of break it down into those smaller time frames and same with physical therapy, I look at it as, you know, now where we're facing VBT surgery and they have to deflate a lung you know, taking that time to do her diaphragm breathing and Mm -hmm. um, strengthening her breathing exercises so that that um, lung can recover quicker. Um, It's just, you know, that goal that you're looking at. So kind of set goals for yourselves. That's kind of what we've done, you know, and doing her exercises to strengthen her core, there's less pain. And so she can Mm -hmm. see when she's doing those exercises, oh, I do have less pain. And she feels better. So that's motivating right there. Oh, for sure. One of my favorite things in the past, I'd say, six months with you, Izzy, is that you are getting your whole family to sit up straighter. <laughs> and I've noticed your posture is doing better. And I don't know, I'm still waiting for Julie's posture to catch up. <laughs> I, I catch myself now. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's good. And that's that's helpful if the whole family knows what's going on and can can be a part of that rather than feeling like you're the only one that's dealing with stuff. Yeah. So, okay. Any, any final thoughts or final words you want to share with anybody listening? No. Well, thank you for being on the podcast with me. I, that's, you're one that I wanted to have on the podcast for a while. Yeah. And, uh, (laughs) and thank you for sharing your experience. Yeah. Thanks for having me.